Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hey everyone, I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors at Salt Church. Uh, Welcome. Great to have you here. Um, Let me just start by saying a couple things about COVID. So obviously COVID case numbers are rising at the moment. Um, I guess worth saying as a church, we are monitoring it. Um, We are wanting to make sure that we are safe in the way that we do church together. Uh, We're committed to gathering as much as we can. So if COVID impacts stuff, um, we'll let you know. If we have to change things up, like if all our musos get sick or something, we'll let you know. Um, But we're still wanting to keep gathering as much as we can. So we're still going to keep doing church every week so long as we're able to. And we're following all the restrictions and everything. Um, I guess it's worth saying as well, it's a good time to be... Uh, to be wise about what we do, but not to be afraid. Uh, we know that God is in control. Uh, he's in control of the world, of virus particles, of healthcare systems, of even life and death. Uh, so we don't need to be afraid, but we want to be wise and thoughtful. Uh, as well, we want to care for each other. So uh, I know some people from 5pm Church have already gotten COVID. Um, if, you're, if you get COVID and you need help, we'd love to know so that we can care for you as a church. Uh, we want to be looking after each other at the moment as well. That'd be awesome. Um, how about I pray as we jump into the Bible? Father God, thank you so much for your word. Uh, we pray that as we look at it now and as we think about this big idea that you would be speaking through me, that you would cause us to know you better and love you more as a result of what we look at tonight. Amen. Well, yeah, usually at Soul Church, if you've been here before, you would know this. Usually at Soul Church, we work our way through a book of the Bible. But in January, we do something different. We do this kind of apologetics or evangelism series. And I just wanted to take you under the hood for a second and explain why we do that. We try and answer questions and concerns that our friends and our family and our culture have about God and Christianity. And we've done this every January since Salt Church started. And we plan to do it every January. And there's three reasons we do it. We do it so our friends and our family and visitors who aren't Christians can come and explore Jesus. Uh, Every Sunday we have with us people who wouldn't call themselves Christian, so welcome if that's you. Uh, And we run church, we try and run church in a way that's accessible if that's you. Uh, So any week is a good week to come to Salt Church and explore Jesus. And any week is a good week to invite someone to come to Salt and explore Jesus. But this is a particularly good time to come now. Because if you're, if you're checking out Jesus, because we're answering kind of directly some of the questions you might have. So that's the first reason for our friends and family who aren't Christian. Also, we run it for us Christians so that we can see that the things we believe are good and true so we can be confident about them. And to see a model of how to answer these kinds of questions. So we try and model it so that you can take these answers and use them yourself. And so you can see the kind of character to have as you approach these sorts of questions. Uh, Being respectful and humble, but unashamed to share the things that we know are good and true. And then third, we do it to set the agenda for our church for the year. Uh, We are on about Jesus at Salt Church, and Jesus is on about calling all people to follow and obey him. Uh, That's our prayer. We're praying for a flood of lifelong disciples of Jesus across the other and beyond. That's what we're on about as a church. We're on about mission for the glory of God. So we start the year with that, and it's how we continue all year as well. 
That's why we do this kind of series in January. And this January, we're looking at unexpected truths, four surprising, unexpected things God wants us to know. And today's unexpected truth is that Christianity is good for you. It's an unexpected truth for two reasons. Firstly, Christians don't always do good. So how can Christianity be good for you? Uh, be it the Crusades, the Royal Commission into Child Abuse, or simply the holier-than-you attitude that many Christians have, Christians have not always done good. Uh, at times, Christians cause more hurt than help. And in response to that fact, our culture is changing the way that it views Christians. A guy named Stephen McAlpine's written a great book, Being the Bad Guys. Here's a quote from it. He says, Only a few generations ago, Christianity was the good guy the solution to what was bad. Rather than being on the wrong side of the law, we were the law. Christian morality was assumed and passed mainly unchallenged. Then something changed. Over the course of the 20th century, we became just one of the guys, one option among many, a voice to be considered, but not to be followed unquestioningly. If Christianity worked for you, fine. If it didn't work for me, also fine. Most of us Christians think we still live in that world. But the problem is, that's not where we are now. The tide has shifted further. Increasingly, Christianity is viewed as the bad guy. Christianity is no longer an option, it's the problem. If this were a Western, we would be the guys wearing the black hats whose appearance is accompanied by the foreboding soundtrack. It's come as a surprise... We're not sure how it happened. We don't like it, and we don't feel like we deserve it, but we are the bad guys now. It comes from this book, Being the Bad Guys, Stephen McAlpine. Great read. Highly recommend it. Check it out. Grab it online. But this is the kind of thing that he's capturing, and I think he's right. We've changed to become the bad guys as Christians, and that's happened in part because Christians have done bad. We've hurt people in what we've said and done. And for what it's worth, if you've been hurt by a Christian, I'm really sorry about that. That should not have happened. We are called to something bigger and better. We Christians need to own our failures. We need to apologize without being defensive and we need to do better. That's the very thing that we believe as Christians, that we are forgiven sinners who trust a perfect saviour. We believe that we are works in progress being transformed by God. And so all Christians can own that as individuals and as a group, we haven't always done what's good. The second reason this is an unexpected truth is that for many people, Christianity itself is not good. And those two things are linked. Christians do bad so people conclude Christianity is bad. That's the link that people are making, and it's an unfair link. Let me show you why. At my kids' primary school, they teach violin. I don't know who teaches violin to kids, but at my kids' primary school, they do this. And when my daughter was in kindergarten, they had an end-of-year assembly that featured a performance from these budding young violinists, and by all reports, it was unforgettable. It was so painful and so bad that the following year, instead of asking them to perform at the end of your assembly, they strategically placed the kids outside so that the parents could enjoy the violins over morning tea. That's what they did because it was so bad. It was a bad performance. But it would be unfair to therefore conclude it was a bad piece of music that they were playing. 
A bad performance does not make a bad song. You'd have to listen to the song played well to judge if it was a good piece of music or not. And it's similar with Christianity. You have to come back and listen to the source to see if it's good. Millions of people have done that and they've become Christians. Others, though, have gone to the source and they've decided it's not just a bad performance, it's a bad song. It's not just that Christians do bad, Christianity is bad. And I think it's, it's fair to say most people who form that view do it by skimming the surface. They haven't actually explored Christianity or the Bible as an adult for themselves. They don't really understand what it is they've rejected. It's like they've heard two notes of the song and they've gone, no, nah, not for me. But others though, have decided that it's not good after a proper listen, after properly investigating it. And to be fair, even for us Christians, we find parts of the song embarrassing or we're confused about them or we're ashamed of them. We're not just embarrassed and ashamed when Christians don't live how they should. We're also embarrassed and ashamed by Christianity, by some of the things that God does or says or tells us to stand for. I think we're all interested in this topic. So let's come and look at the source to find out, is Christianity good for you? Won't be surprising that my answer is yes. And there's a billion reasons why, but I'm just going to give you three of them. Here's the first one. Christianity is good for you because the God of Christianity is good. Uh, We saw last week that there is a God and we can know that God. And one trait of this God is that he's good. Uh, Here's a couple of passages from the Bible. Psalm 119 says, You are good, and what you do is good. Or in the words of Jesus, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. A good there means more than God does a good job, like the Aussies did a good job in the test matches, they played good. It's about moral goodness, righteousness, holiness, how God is perfect at his very core. Or another way the Bible describes it is in light and dark. Light is good, evil is dark. Here's what it says. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. That's not a statement you could ever make about a human, even the best human. God is in a category of his own. At his core, God is good and he does good always full stop. And this is the God of Christianity. This is the God worshipped and obeyed by Christians. And as we saw last week, Christianity is unique among all the religions of the world Because it comes from the one true living God, and you can verify and test that. And since Christianity comes from a God who's good, Christianity is good for you. Just as kind of simple logic. By definition, a perfect God can't ask you to do something that would be bad for you. Because a perfect God is committed to good. It's a little bit like this. It's a little bit like how Steve Jobs never told people to use an Android phone. And Bill Gates never told people to use the Apple operating system. And Jeff Bezos never told people to use eBay. They're committed to their product, so they're not going to tell you to use something different. They're committed to this thing that they've created, so they're not going to tell you to use something different. God is committed to good. He's not going to ask you to do something that's not good, because he's committed to good. 
In fact, he can't ask you to do anything that would be bad for you. Because if Christianity comes from a God in whom there is no darkness at all, it must be good. The song is good because the author can only do good. There's a kind of logical argument for you there. And it's logical, but I think it's not very satisfying. Because I think it leads us to ask questions like this. What happens if we disagree with God about what's good? Which happens all the time. Who wins? Who gets to decide what's good, God or us? Who decides what's good? Uh, Let me put it this way. Imagine two pieces of paper. One of them is blank. The other's got a blueprint on it. The blank page represents how you get to decide and define who you are. You get to create your own meaning and purpose. And the blueprint represents how God has a design for you and who he wants you to be. Or to go back to my metaphor from before, uh, blank sheet music, you can write your own song on a blank page of sheet music, or you can play the song that's been written for you by God, the composer. Now, if you look at those two options, which feels better to you? Which feels more authentic to you? Are you the real you when you carve your own path, or are you more the real you when you live by God's design? I think in our culture at the moment, the blank page is the thing that's winning. Uh, We're told what's good is what feels good to you. What's right for you, that's what's right. And we're told that our life project is is self-realization and self-actualization. I think this is captured well in two modern anthems. Let me give you these two modern anthems. First one comes from Frank Sinatra. It's the song, My Way. And he sings, I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do. I saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway. I did it my way. Can you hear the message of this song? My way is how you get a full life. Well, here's the second anthem, modern anthem, by Elsa. The wind is howling like this swirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in. Heaven knows I've tried. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Message of this song. Freedom is when there's no rules. When you're not bound by other people's expectations and opinions about right and wrong, when you're not bound by God's expectations and opinions about right and wrong, you need to let go for a genuine, authentic, good life. Uh, There's a third modern anthem, Baby Shark. I can't work out if there's any meaning to that one, though. But I reckon there's at least three problems with this approach. There's a bunch of problems. Let me just give you three of them. Here's three of the problems. Firstly, this idea of a blank page is an illusion. Our page is written on by thousands of people, by our parents, by the school we went to, by the shows and movies that we watch, by our news feeds that just bombard us with ideas that fill our pages. I mean, even the idea that you are a blank page and create your own meaning is an idea that our culture has written on our page. It's an illusion that we are this blank page and we just create meaning. A second, it's overly simplistic. It's overly simplistic to the point of being reckless and dangerous. 
Because what seems good for us is often bad for us. And what's bad for us is often good for us. Uh, Chemotherapy is bad for you. Chemotherapy literally kills your cells in order to heal you from something much worse, from the worst fate of cancer. Uh, We limit how much sugar kids can eat because they don't yet know that too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. Uh, How often do you get the thing that you've been planning and striving for only to say, I thought it was what I wanted, but it wasn't all it was cracked up to be? This This belief system is just way too simplistic. And third, inevitably, there's clash. If you're a blank page writing your own song, what do you do if my song is about how your song is wrong? If, my, if I say that what must be on your page and you don't like it, what happens then? Who wins? Is it just whoever's loudest? Is that who wins? Who's ever in majority? At the moment, I think in our culture, it's whoever can make the best claim to be a victim seems to be the person who's winning. Whoever can claim and make the best claim that they're being harmed is the person who wins. And you see this play out in identity politics at the moment. But inevitably, there's going to be a clash if we all do what's right in our own eyes. But the deepest clash is with God. What God says is good for us and what we say is good for us. And you see this clash in the very first chapters of the Bible. When God says this to Adam, The Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And then Satan lies to Eve and says, You won't certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Uh, There's a choice that God's giving here to know good and evil with God or to know good and evil without God, Uh, to follow the blueprint or to make your own way. And they eat from this tree and eating from a tree is not the problem. It's not like they eat an apple or something and that's terrible. It's what the eating represents. It represents knowing good and evil like God knows good and evil. How does God know good and evil? He decides good and evil. He defines good and evil. He recognizes good and evil and he measures it against his perfect goodness. So knowing is about deciding good and evil without God. That's what they choose. And what does it lead to? It doesn't lead to freedom. It leads to the exact opposite. It doesn't lead to human flourishing. They already had that. It leads to the exact opposite. And let me give it to you in four C's. Here's what it leads to. It leads to conflict. Here's what happens. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Uh, Instead of peace, now there's conflict. And that's what the, the nakedness and the covering yourself up and the hiding thing captures. You can't be vulnerable anymore. Because there's conflict. You're not safe to be vulnerable anymore. They're not safe with each other and they're not safe with God. There's a risk that they're going to be harmed and so they hide away. There's conflict now. Second, there's condemnation. Because God said, when you eat from it, you will certainly die. 
They're condemned for what they do. They're living under the sentence of death and God's judgment, and all humans are now. Because of what Adam and Eve did and because of the way that we copy Adam and Eve, we all live under the sentence of death and God's judgment. Third, they're confused about good and evil. We get confused about good and evil and we actually reverse them. Here's what Isaiah says. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We're actually confused about what is good now. And we call evil good and good evil. We get them confused and mixed up now. And we become corrupt become corrupt, it's not just that it's hard to see good and evil and that we risk harming others and we sit under God's judgment for that. We actually love evil now as humans. Here's what Jesus says, light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Humans actually love evil now. Here's the clash, and it's a serious clash. Our culture says, you decide what's good. That's the same thing Satan's been saying since day one. That's the same tragic error that the first humans made. It's God who's good who defines good. And Christians now, like Stephen McAlpine says, Christians now, we're not the good guys. We're not one of, even one of the guys. We're the bad guys because we're told that Christianity causes harm. And harm is defined as stopping me from being who I believe I am. That's what harm means in our culture. Stopping me from being who I believe I am. Stopping me from being my authentic self. But what God calls us to be is not harmful. Hurt and harm comes when we fail to live by God's design. Not when we follow God's design. Christians have only ever caused harm when we've lost sight of what God has called us to be. And you see this when you meet the only truly authentic human who ever lived. Uh, When you see the blueprint lived out. When you listen to the song perfectly performed by Jesus. Because Jesus is in a category of his own. He's the son of God, so he's good to his core. And everything he says and everything he does is good. And he perfectly performs the song that he wrote. It's his song and he performs it perfectly. He perfectly lives the blueprint that he built. And he shows us that God's way is not only good, it's good for you. It's beautiful. It's better. And Jesus' performance leads to good news for all of us as well. Uh, It leads to this fact that Christianity is good for you because the news of Christianity is good. Uh, Christians have a word, a special word for this good news. The word is the gospel. And the gospel is the kind of good news that you shout from a rooftop and you sing about and you share with total strangers on the street. Uh, Let me give you a small sense of how good this news is with four more C's. Here's what it leads to. Actually, come over to John chapter 3. You can do a bit of work this time. Come to John chapter 3, verse 16. I'll show you four more C's from here. Uh, Firstly, it leads to communion not conflict, not conflict with God anymore. We've got a relationship with God of safety and not of fear. So you see it in John 3 verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
And eternal life in the Bible is life that lasts forever. It's life forever after death. But it's also about the quality of life. It's, it's life knowing God and being in relationship and having communion with God. And this comes by being cleared, not condemned. Uh, have a look at the next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. We're cleared, not condemned. We're saved from being condemned. It's, it's a bit like we had our blank page, but we filled it up with mess. And God is good, so we can't just pretend away that page. Pretend that it's not covered in mess. You can't just sweep it under the carpet. It would be evil if God did that, not good. So what he does is he deals with it himself. Jesus takes our filthy, shameful mess that we've made of life, and Jesus is punished for our rejecting God's design. He's punished for our attempt to create meaning without God. And then Jesus gives us his perfect page. He gives us his perfect performance of the song. He, he, his building of the blueprint, he gives that to us and we're treated as if it's ours. We're not condemned anymore, we're cleared. Third, it leads to clarity, not confusion. Look at the next verse. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Jesus, the light, has come into the world And he shows us what's light and what's dark. He shows us good and evil again so we can see the difference and we know good and evil with God again. We're not confused anymore. And fourth, it leads us to be converted, not corrupt. Uh, Look at the next verse, last verse. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. God doesn't leave us on our own to make the same mess all over again. He converts us, he transforms us to live by the blueprint. He empowers us to become our authentic selves, because the true, genuine, authentic version of you is the blueprint version of you. It's the Jesus-shaped version of you. As we follow God's design, as we live by God's blueprint, that's when we become who we were made to be. And that's when we thrive as humans. That was a lot of ideas. If all of that went over your head, just remember this. Christianity is good for you because the news of Christianity is good. It's about a relationship with a God who's good. Uh, The heart of Christianity is the good news that you can be a forgiven sinner if you trust Jesus to save you. And the good news that you can be a work in progress, transformed by God, if you obey Jesus as your Lord. Tragically, though, this good news of Christianity is often misrepresented and misunderstood, and it becomes no longer good news. Uh, Some people don't see that it's good news because it starts with the bad news that you've made a mess, that you've failed, and that God is rightly angry about that. That feels like bad news, and it would be bad news if there was no solution. But there is a solution. God himself has solved this problem because he's good. Be like if you get told you've got a terminal illness, no treatment, that's bad news. But then if the next breath you get told, but actually they've just finished a research study, 100% effectiveness, just take this one thing, you'll be fine. 
that becomes good news, doesn't it? It's the same kind of thing. This is good news because God himself has solved the problem because he's good. I think as well for some people, they think Christianity is this, that we've messed up the page, but God gives us a brand new page, a fresh start to start all over again. That's bad news, not good news, because we've wrecked the page once. We could do it again. What God gives us is Jesus' perfect page. He gives us lasting forgiveness. That's what he gives us. I think for some people as well, they they see that what Christianity is about is that we write our own song, but God is there helping me write my song. It's like God is my personal cheerleader. He's there helping me achieve my potential and become the best version of me. That's not good news either. That's just the same error as the blank page, but with God tacked on at the end. The news of Christianity is so much better than that because God is so good. And that leads us to the last thing. Christianity is good for you because the fruit of Christianity is good. Uh, It's right for Christians to apologize for our failures. It's right that we apologize for our own failures and the failures of Christians across history. But it's wrong for Christians to concede too much. It's wrong for Christians to be endlessly apologetic. And it's wrong for us to accept the idea that Christianity is harmful. Because that's to agree with our culture that God is not good when he is. That's to agree with our culture that the news of Christianity is not good when it is good. Plus, that's to forget the good fruit that God has brought about by Christians. Uh, I don't have time to trace this all out. Let me recommend these two books to you. Uh, One is called The Book That Made Your World, How the Bible Created the Soul of Western Civilization by a guy named Vishal Mengwaldi. And the other other book is called God is Good for You by Greg Sheridan. Greg is the foreign affairs editor for The Australian and he's been doing that for the last 30 years. And Vishal is a philosopher, lecturer, political columnist and the author of 21 books. I don't know if I've read 21 books. He's written 21 books. And these guys give a ton of evidence and prove, I would say, how Christians have led the way in so many things. They, they show you how Christians have led the way in social justice, in the legal protection of women, in care for the marginalized, in fighting sexism and racism, in human rights, in abolishing the modern slave trade, They give evidence of how Christians founded universities and schools and volunteer organizations, how Christians founded the legal and justice system and modern science, how Christians drove industrialization and social welfare, and on and on it goes. Uh, Basically, if you took Christianity out of history, especially out of Western history, but even out of all the world's history, it would be unimaginably different it would be unimaginably worse. We forget that so much of what's good in our culture in the past and in the present is because of Christianity. We ignore this fact, I think, in our culture. Actually, I'd go further. I think our culture is is trying to deliberately suppress that news and that truth. But Christianity is good for you because the fruit of Christianity is good for you. And I'm sure for those of us who are Christians, we can share in our own life the fruit that God has brought. Let me wrap it up. Let me finish by speaking to you if you'd call yourself a non-Christian and speaking to you if you'd call yourself a Christian. Uh, If you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, first of all. Here's my challenge to you. 
after you've heard all these ideas about Christianity, try it out. Read the Bible as an adult to see God's song perfectly performed by Jesus. Don't just listen to two notes of the song or don't just listen to the bad performance that you've seen from a Christian who might have hurt you. Actually come back to the source and look at Jesus and look at Jesus perfectly perform this song to work out if it's a good or bad song. And hang out with Christians, hang out with us to see what a Christian life would look like for you. Taste and see if God is good. Let me sharpen it. Let me give you a a specific challenge. Um, After we finish this series in January, we're going to jump into Matthew's gospel in February, kicking it off in February. Matthew was one of Jesus' closest friends and one of his followers, and he wrote uh, an account of Jesus' life and death and resurrection and the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus taught and did. Uh, Grab a Bible from up the back or jump online and just Google Matthew's gospel and read Matthew's gospel for yourself. And at the same time, come to Salt Church every week for the next two months. There's my challenge. Read Matthew's Gospel. Come to Salt Church or tune in online every week for the next two months. If after that time you're not interested, well, that's fine. But at least you've had a proper go. At least you've properly looked into it and you haven't just listened to two notes. It may be that you discover, like millions of people before you, Christianity is good, and it's good for you. And let me speak to you if you call yourself a Christian. The true, genuine, authentic version of you is the Jesus-shaped version of you. God's blueprint, God's song sheet is how we thrive as people. And Christianity is the only hope for our world. And our world is watching us. I remember hearing about a guy who went to a church in Western Sydney, out near Mount Druitt, Rudy Hill kind of way, Uh, And he's not the kind of guy you would ever expect to meet in a church. Massive dude, tats all over. He came from a rough background. He drank a lot. He got into a lot of fights. When he was at church, it looked like he hated being there. But he came because his aunt, who was a Christian, his aunt had insisted that he come along. And so just to kind of shut her up, he came along. And after months of being in this church, he became a Christian. And his life changed immediately and dramatically. And the pastor of that church was stoked. He was stoked that this guy had become a Christian. But he was also stoked because he felt like he'd discovered the secret recipe to speed grow a Christian. Because this guy had gone from enemy of God to great model of Christian obedience in like two weeks. So we asked the guy... How did that happen? How did you know how to live as a Christian? You've only been a Christian for like two weeks. I've seen these dramatic changes. How did you know how to live as a Christian? I think he was hoping the answer would be your teaching. It was just so great. Your model, your example, that's what did it for me. But that's not the answer he got. The guy said it was easy. It was heaps easy. I've been watching my aunt for the last 20 years. So now I just do whatever she would do. That's how I know how to live as a Christian. Our world is watching us all the time. That feels scary, I think. It feels scary because we know we don't perfectly perform God's song. But that's not what we believe. What we believe and what we hold out as hope for our world is the news of a good God who forgives everyone who trusts in Jesus and the news of a good God who transforms everyone who obeys Jesus. And as we hold that out, and even as we imperfectly live that out, People will be curious. 
Our culture has actually shot itself in the foot by calling Christianity harmful. Because it's not. When people meet Christians, they're often surprised that we're not as bad and we're not what they were told to expect. At the moment, pastors who work at universities across Australia are reporting that they're seeing the most fruit they've seen for decades. And what's happening is people who are dissatisfied with the emptiness and the mess and the harm that the blank page belief of our culture has caused them, those people are meeting Christians for the first time in their life. And Christians are not at all like they've been told to expect. And so they're exploring Jesus and they're trusting Jesus by the hundreds because they're seeing that God is good and that Christianity is so much better than anything our world can offer. So Christians, let's apologize where we need to, but let's not become endlessly apologetic as if the only thing we have to say to a lost and confused world is sorry. The God of Christianity is good for you. The news of Christianity is good for you. The fruit of Christianity is good for you. And it's good for everyone. How about we pray and ask God to share and spread this news throughout church across the, across the globe this year. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this new year. Thank you for 2022. We pray, Lord, that this news would ring out from our church and from all the churches in the Illawarra who know and love you, all the churches across Australia, all the Christians across the globe, we pray that this would be more famous than COVID, that it would spread faster and wider. And we pray, Lord, that people would know how good you are, that they would know that Christianity is the only hope for this world, and that they would see that it's not the cause of harm, it's the solution. And we pray, Lord, for those who are here listening and and pondering you. We pray for those of our friends and family and our colleagues and the people we know who are curious, Lord. Please help them to find the answers. Help them to discover who you are. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.